Father, again, we are grateful for the privilege of being able to gather here publicly to read your word, to listen, and hopefully to obey. Uh, And I pray, Father, that your spirit would rest on me, that I could proclaim your word, not only to your people gathered here and to those listening uh, on the recording, but even to the heavenly places all around us here in the city of London. Uh, Let your word go forth in power to the glory and honor of your son, Jesus, and empower me to to proclaim it as you desire. We love you and praise you and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. My brothers and sisters, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down at my feet, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? If you, are really, if you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you're doing well. But if you show partiality, you're committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable for all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and act as those who are judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. But mercy triumphs over judgment. May God bless to us this reading from his holy word. I remember quite a number of years ago, I was part of uh, a service at, uh, oh, let's, let's say, the other cathedral in the city of London. I, I won't, kind of, won't kind of mention it. I was invited to be part of it, and I was uh, new here in London, uh, probably oh, about 2002, 2003, uh, and I came along and it said, you know, you must be robed. One of the things I decided early on that I, w- I wouldn't have a robe, uh, and I didn't until I came up to my first wedding, and then I realized that they were going to have tuxedos, and all I would have would be a, a, a crummy old suit. So I thought, okay, well, I better get, you know, uh, a robe. And it's still the the same robe that I still use today uh, was the one I got all those years ago. I don't know how many years, 20, 27, 28 years ago. Uh, I got this, got this robe and it's still hanging up in in my cupboard. And from time to time, I'll dust it off and take it out. And and so it said, you got to be robed, you know, so, so I came and it's in its black, you know, it's, it's, it's reformed Christian black. You know, which means somber, and, and I, I once thought about getting those stoles that would be nice and colorful, and I thought, well, why waste my money? I'll never use it. So I, I never, so it's just, it's just black. 
And so I showed up to uh, this other cathedral in my black robe. And here were all these guys with all these beautiful colored robes and things like that, a really fancy. Uh, one guy with a hat a little bit taller than the next guy's hat uh, and everything. And, and I remember coming into all of this and, uh, and, and the message, even though nobody said it quite this way because they were all properly English, so they'd never say it this way. Uh, but it was, sorry if you're English, uh, it, because none of you here are that way, so that's why I can say that that way, because I've, I've, I've met you all. You, you're not that way, but these guys were. And, and it was like, oh yeah, you're, you're that guy from the little church, the non-Anglican church down the street. Well, why don't you just stand here and we'll let you come in at the back so you can see how all of us proper church people do this. Uh, and the attitude and the arrogance and things, I mean, it was just really, it was almost laughable. It was so intense. But since that time, I've really learned that here in the city of London, if you haven't seen it already, uh, there is really a, a very strong sense of being a city church. And in many cases, it's, it's, you know, if you go to one of the, the churches in the city of London, most of which are Anglican, uh, many of which don't even have a congregation or even a Sunday congregation, uh, the one that's really vibrant and vital is St. Helens over on the other side of the city. Uh, they, they do a great thing. And, and there's others that are doing good stuff, and so I don't want to belittle Anglicans in general. We've got a good relationship with David Engel down at St. Sepulchre's, and we bless them, and there's such, such a tightness in our relationship, and I really praise God for it. But there's this attitude that kind of permeates. And it's been funny to me that, that I will see people, uh, and, and over the years I've met people who, who are, are at their home church. It might be a rockin' Pentecostal church. I mean, it might be one of those churches that the Spirit hasn't moved unless everybody's left over three or four pews along the way. Uh, you know, that kind of thing. And they'll go out and they'll be loud and shouting and things like that. And they walk into a city church and it's like, ooh. And they'll go to a service and like, I'm a city church person now. I need to sing hymns. And I certainly must not lift up my hands. Uh, and it's really extraordinary to see the transformation. But there is an attitude. And it's an attitude of which, one, you fall into it and you're not aware of it. And I've seen this. I've seen this with, with brothers that I love dearly in the Lord. Uh, and I've seen this with liberals, I've seen it with conservatives, but there's this, this attitude, this partiality that starts to come out. And it's really striking when you start to be alert to it. But that's not really the challenge. The challenge that we face is the partiality that seeps into our own thinking in our own churches it's so easy for us. How, how many times over the years have I heard someone say, oh, that person, uh, she's got a really good business. We should make her part of, a part of the central committee of the church, an elder or something like that. Or, oh, this guy, he's really popular. He would be a great elder. We should make him an elder. Uh, or somebody new comes into the church and it's, a, it's a, a husband and wife and they have 17 children. It's like everybody's, just, you know, nobody has 17 children here, but hey, you know, they all flock around them and, and that's great. And then there's a person who doesn't have any kids, not even married, they come in and it's almost, oh, okay, here's the area for single people. 
You know, and if you're single people, you sit there. Uh, if you're married and with children and the valued people, well, then you can be uh, in the middle and the front. And there's so many different ways that we do this as Christians. And we must always guard ourselves. We fall into this. One of the best compliments that I ever received was uh, from somebody on the continent. I'd been going to their, their church for, for quite a number of years. And when I go to a church and go to a new ministry, I, I might say you know, something to the leaders and things like that. But I, I like to interact with the people in the church. Uh, and God just leads me to different people and I want to encourage them and I want to bless them because I've seen this happen so many times where you got a visiting pastor or visiting leader, visiting apostle, visiting prophet and all they do is hang around with the people that seem to be part of the in crowd and they kind of avoid the other people in the church uh, and I never wanted to be that kind of person and so I'm going around and I'm meeting with them and this is years after I'd been doing that uh, and one of the guys came to me and said, you know, we, we've noticed that you don't show partiality, that you love everybody, that you accept everybody. And that's our goal. That's our goal here at City Temple. Uh, And it's a passion that we have because when we do so often, we easily fall into sin. And so much harm and so much pain has been caused in the body of Christ because we've shown partiality. Because we evaluate people based on what we perceive their gifts to be or what we perceive their giving ability to be uh, or what we perceive their talents to be uh, or what we perceive their looks to be or how they dress and so on and so on and so on. And James says, brothers and sisters, this must not be. Because ultimately, the goal here is that we would honor everybody. And honor is about finding the intrinsic worth and value that's in every single person. Every single person has worth. Every single person has value. Every person has been created in the image of God. And every redeemed person has been recreated in the image of Christ Jesus. And they are now one with Christ. No matter what they look like on the outside. No matter what they're doing, no matter how well their life works out or how poorly their life works out, they are loved by God and redeemed by Jesus Christ. And and so James says, church, don't show any partiality. Now remember, James is talking to Christians here. He's not talking to unbelievers. So he's already, he's talking to people who have already had the foundation. They know who Jesus is. They know Jesus died on the cross. They know that he rose from the dead. He's not in this book, in this letter, trying to relay or reestablish those foundations. That's why he's not writing like Paul did, say, in Romans, to talk about justification by faith and so on and so forth. He's giving some practical encouragement and instructions to the people of God. I said... Remember that even the poor people, they're the ones that God have chosen. God, God's given them faith. God will give them riches in heaven. And remember, so often it is the wealthy people, the people with power, the people with position that will oppress you, that will drag you into the court, that will cause you, cause you problems. And even it's sometimes it's those people that have wealth and status that blaspheme Jesus. Again, you know, he's not only talking about non-Christians here, although in this context he would be primarily talking about that. 
He says, we must honor all people equally. We must not show partiality. And we don't show partiality for a couple of reasons. First of all, if you show partiality, you're violating what Jesus said. What's two greatest commandments? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. If we show partiality, if we look with favor on certain people and look down at other people, we're actually violating what Jesus said when he said, love your neighbor as yourself. And James makes a really powerful point here in this context. He basically says, if you violate then the law, you violated the whole thing. So James really points out here, we, we tend to think in terms of God's laws. So the Ten Commandments. Ten Commandments. Okay, those are the ten big laws of God. And on the Ten Commandments, you got don't, don't steal, don't kill, don't commit adultery. I mean, that's the ten big ones. So we, we don't violate those ten big rules. And James says, there's not ten big ones. There's one. There's not many laws of God. There's one law of God. There's not many laws of God. There's one law of God. And so if you break any part of the one law of God, you've broken the whole thing. And James here takes us out of our comfort zone, takes us out of that, that, uh, that, that perception and says, okay, well, I must be okay because, uh, okay, maybe, maybe I've stolen, but at least I've not done the other nine. And James says, well, you're guilty of all of it because it's one law. And so don't do that. And so if you show partiality, you're breaking part of the law, which means that you're breaking the whole law. So it all, it all falls. It all falls. Then he says, so speak and act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. So James is not trying to take us back to a legalistic mindset, he says here, in this this perception. He's saying, now we are free. The law of liberty is that the Spirit of God lives inside of us. Jesus died on the cross. He set us free from the power of sin. Uh, God's Spirit lives in us to enable us to overcome the power of sin. So we don't have to do the stuff. We don't have to sin. We don't have to show partiality. We have this law of liberty uh, that in Christ Jesus we are set free to live as God's called us to live. So we can do that with confidence. So in the first place, he says, don't get smug. Don't be conceited. Don't think of yourself too highly here because if you violate part of the law, you've violated the whole thing. And if you show partiality, you violated a part of the law. But at the same time, don't be legalistic here. Remember who you are in Christ and remember that you can live in freedom. And then finally, he says here, for judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown mercy, but mercy triumphs over judgment. So essentially he's saying, if you're showing partiality, if if you're having this kind of attitude, you are bringing yourself under judgment. And I don't think that he's necessarily saying eternal judgment here. The word is that God is going to have to deal with us if we're violating the law. He will deal with us, and, and he's going to deal with us because we bring ourselves under the word. 
It's not because God says, okay, now you've messed up, now I'm going to do this. It's because we, by our behavior, put ourselves in a position where God needs to act. But then he says, but this is, this is the thing to be, merciful. And mercy is not showing partiality. Mercy is treating all people the same, no matter how good or how bad they smell, no matter how much money they have or how little money they have. Mercy is looking at everybody, not on the basis of their outward circumstances, their dress, uh, their gifting or anything like that. Mercy is looking at everybody on the basis of the fact that God loves them with all the passion of his being. And if they're a Christian, that that person is Jesus. And that mercy that we show triumphs over judgment. In other words, when we act merciful, we put ourselves in a position to receive mercy. As we act mercifully, we put ourselves in a position to receive mercy. And this is what Jesus has done for us in the cross of Christ. He's made us in Christ all sons. We are all one in Christ Jesus, Paul tells us in Galatians 3. There's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free. You are all one in Christ Jesus. And that's God's ultimate demonstration of mercy in our lives. Let's pray. Gracious God, I pray that you would help us. Show us if there's any way that we in our lives have shown or are showing partiality. Convict us, Lord God, not to condemn us, but so that we might repent and respond with mercy in the name and authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, show us how you are working, even in the least of people. Show us how you are loving, even the least of people. Show us your goodness all around us in all the people that we have in our lives. We love you, we praise you, we worship and adore you. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.